0: The free sweat quiz and their products can be found at SlayRx.com, on Amazon.com, or at your local run and bike shop if it's available. You can use the code PLEASANT21 for 10% off at their website. Thanks to SlayRx for sponsoring us, y'all. Give them a try. We appreciate our sponsors, and thanks to all of them for helping us bring you the most pleasant exhaustion podcast. And welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion podcast, brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and Slay RX. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach in Atlanta, Georgia. I am a father to twin boys, and I am a college professor.
1: My name is Michelle Frank. I am also an endurance athlete here in Atlanta, Georgia. I am a mom to three girls, and I work as a CPA.
2: And my name is Eric Hall. I'm an endurance athlete and coach in Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm the father to three teenagers, one of whom is with us tonight and the husband (laughs) to a beautiful wife.
0: So on on that note, why don't you introduce our guest then, Eric, since she's there with you and you happen to know her far better than the other two of us.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Sure. So uh, with us today is Grace. Uh, Grace is my daughter. She's 17 years old. She's just graduated from high school Um, and uh, she is on her way to being a freshman at Duke University.
0: Awesome. Welcome
1: to the podcast, Grace.
0: And she's on the podcast because as a 17-year-old, she is a finisher of the Black Hills 100. Fantastic. Grace, do you know any other 17-year-olds that have completed 100-mile races?
3: Um, there was a kid we met at Peyton's. He, he did one.
0: Okay. But
3: other than that, no. Okay. One one person. So, so,
0: so there's one. And I feel like a friend of ours might have looked it up to see whether there was. And and it's definitely at best a handful of people under the age of 18 who have ever completed a hundred mile run. So congratulations to you. We, we congratulate Eric last week. So I guess we'll kind of offer <laughs> you. you uh, congratulations again, Eric. But uh, but Grace, in particular, congratulations to you. Uh, we asked both of you all on so we could hear about the race and 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 hear about uh, how things have gone since then and of course how things went leading up to it. So I guess the best place to start is to talk about kind of what we're already talking about. Grace, this was this was your idea. At least that's what your dad told us, right?
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. So so what well, tell, is it that, that made George, you... Tell George what I said to you after we ran
2: the 50 miler.
3: Uh, well, after we ran the, ran the last 50 that we did, um, he told me that he was not interested in running a 100 mile race anymore. Um, no <laughs> desire to do so. And then, like after a week or two of pestering, he kind of like warmed up to the idea once he had kind of forgotten about how painful the 50 miler was. But yeah, he he wasn't too excited about it after that that last 50 miler.
0: <laughs> so. Well, I mean, and and that actually segues into, into exactly the question. So you're talking about like doing 50 milers with your dad and you just a second ago talked about the Peyton's 10 by 5k that, that you and I and your dad all did back in 2019 when you were what, 15 Um, and, and these are not the sort of things that, that normally we think of 15 year old, 16 year old, 17 year olds doing. Um, what is it that, that inspires you and, and, um, makes you want to do these, these ultra distant races?
3: Um, I don't really remember how we got started doing them. I think one time, I think he, he had been telling me about like the Blue Ridge Relay and how, um, his friend Brett runs all these hundred mile races. And one day, I think I just asked him, like, you want to try doing that one day? Just because I don't know. I wanted to kind of see if we could, because the thing about running that I think is really cool is you don't really think you can do it. And then, cause you know, you start out in like three miles feels like an ordeal. And then a couple months later in three miles is just like nothing. So it was kind of like, well, I wonder, I wonder how, how we can stretch that limit. So, and he was kind of just game for it. So. We, we just kind of wanted to see what
1: we could do, and that's kind of how we got started doing it. But yeah. So that first three-mile run you ever went on, I mean, can you tell us a little bit about maybe just more of a childhood progression or history of sports and how you even got to that first three-mile run, like how you got into running really?
3: Well, um, when I was younger, I played soccer from when I was like, I don't know, four. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. about four so years old. Probably from like four to, you know, a, i don't know a couple years ago and every summer my mom would have us run to condition cuz she was like you guys <laughs> need to still be you know doing fitness and i hated it um <laughs> we would go for our like 1 mile run and i i was never a fan but um eventually like i kind of got used to the idea of running a little bit more and i kind of just started doing it on my own a little bit um when i was playing soccer and then a couple of years ago i think it was maybe my when was what year did we start running
2: i think it was the beginning of your junior year
3: no it was the end of
2: your sophomore year it was i think
3: it was in the, the freshman year maybe
0: oh when you started in freshman year, year. Yeah.
2: yeah i think yeah. It was
3: the end of my freshman i was gonna year. say
0: because she did that 10 by 5k <laughs> at the, at yeah. the, in the middle of her sophomore year that's correct yeah. so it was the end of her freshman year
2: yeah
3: so the end yeah. of my freshman year um when soccer trials rolled around, I, I didn't make the team that I had been playing on for a couple of years and I was kind of not, I wasn't really enjoying soccer anymore because it was really stressful and I wasn't really getting what I wanted out of it. So I kind of thought maybe I would try running because, you know, my, my dad ran a lot and I didn't really know any other sports that I could do, but I wanted to still be active and stuff. So that summer I kind of asked him if he would help me just train for cross country that year. Um, so we started running that summer, and the first couple runs were, were not so fun. <laughs> uh,
1: not not I, so fun for air, you, like... not so much
0: fun for him, not so much fun for anybody. Ooh,
3: like, because was? <laughs> um, I, I wasn't used to it, and I think I I didn't understand the idea of like you have to start slow so you can continue, and so I would run too fast, and then I'd be like, why can't I breathe? This is too hard. I can't. <laughs> So the first couple of weeks were not, not the best, but I kind of stuck with it because I was like, I, I do want to do this and I wanted to kind of give it a chance. And then kind of when that cross country season rolled around, I, I actually ended up really enjoying it because the team was really cool. I think one of my favorite things about running is runners are always really nice. I don't know if it's like the endorphins just have everyone like on like some hopped up like happy, <laughs> happy thing. But um everyone was really nice. And it was just like a really fun environment. So I enjoyed it for like the social aspect. And then um, I just kind of got more into it then. But it, it wasn't like love at first sight with running. Um, mm-hmm.
1: It kind of took a little while. So did you yeah. run high school cross country that year, your sophomore year? Yeah. yeah. So I did
3: run high school cross
1: country that year.
3: Um, my school is like really small. So you don't have to try out or anything. So it wasn't it wasn't like anything crazy. Um, but yeah, I ran high school cross country that year and I, I really enjoyed it. And then um, it was that, that first year that I was running high school cross country when we came up with the idea to start trying to do ultras and um, my dad suggested Peyton's because we thought, well, it's just a 5k and you just, Ten <laughs> <times>. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a 5k. Oh God.
1: <laughs> and, and
2: what a what a great way. you know she mentioned the the reason why she enjoys kind of the, the people and the the I don't know the,
1: yeah, the people at Peyton's are supposed to be pretty awesome.
2: Well, yeah, the funny thing was it was the first time I had done Peyton's. But then, of course, you know, that's Brett's home turf. So you know, our friend from college, Brett, was there. And then Lee Ragsdale, who lives up here with me and I work with, he who's been on the podcast before. He's been on the podcast before, and we talk about him all the time um sometimes his mom and then <laughs> and then George was there and so it was my kind of core group of running friends the guys who do the Blue Ridge Relay and then Grace got to sort of experience that as a new runner and and a first time ultra runner and that race you know Noah who runs the race he does a phenomenal job with More on running and that, that, there's a that is just a really great atmosphere so i think that was a really good introduction mm-hmm. i i didn't realize that going down there i just thought yeah. it was gonna be 10 by 5k with brett george you know yeah. and Lee. but it, it ended up you know it turned into a really really cool experience because george can remember this was not the easiest run for grace this <laughs> yeah, was no. not a great from the running
0: grace grace fell like six times <laughs> uh, and and she finished with a with her arm and a sling um, <laughs> And, and both of those are exaggerated, by the way. She fell like three times um, and you finished with your arm actually wrapped, not totally in a sling, but, you know, the, 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 we're, we're going to build the legend of Grace Hall. It starts now. Um, <laughs> but 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 no, I do remember that. But but and so so to that point then and I, I'm still just kind of fascinated by this idea that you went out that summer before your sophomore year, you did some runs because that's about the time that I started running, too, in my life. and 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 you both hated it um and it was awful and terrible and you were dying at the end of every single run and then it kind of got okay and you're like hey why don't we start doing ultras um like like that
3: like
1: (laughs) did you think about a half marathon maybe marathon (laughs) like
3: i mean i don't know i kind of think well i think the beginning of the running is kind of like the frog sitting in the boiling water it's like it's just it kind of gets worse but you just like keep going with it because you don't really you don't really notice it's just like yeah it's fine it's fine (laughs) and it'll be fine and then I think we were just kind of like well if we're gonna do it we might as well just go all out like half marathon is great but like we could just try to do an ultra marathon and then
2: well this is kind of this is a funny thing because I've always made that the joke I've never run a marathon And I used to use the excuse that it would stunt my growth. So I, I didn't run a marathon then. And now I'm just, I'm worried I'll actually hurt myself running a marathon. But I don't, Grace, I know you've run a 5K. I know you've run an 8K. I don't think you've ever run a 10K, a half marathon, <laughs> or a marathon.
1: Eric, that is crazy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I just, this is the first time I've actually thought of that. Is and this I,
1: how you coach your athletes, Eric? Like... <laughs>
0: Hey, did it work?
1: <laughs> Seems like it.
0: <laughs> when, when was the last hundred you ran? <laughs>
1: Thank you. Thanks for the reminder. Um,
0: all right, so, so never run a 10K, never run a half marathon, never run a marathon. Grace, you said something a second ago that I thought was kind of interesting. You said something about like limits, about exploring limits. Is, is that part of, of what you think about when you think about the allure of an ultra marathon or do, or, or do you not think about it that much?
3: I mean, I think that's part of it. I think like even just running in general is kind of that's what it's always kind of been like for me. And that's kind of why I started to um, really get into it and like really enjoy doing it. Um, because, I mean, like I said, the first two mile run I did seemed really, really hard. Um, and then I kind of realized that after a couple of months, that was like my short run. That was like what I was doing on my easy days. So I was kind of thinking like, I wonder like what the limit is. And I think for me. I think a lot of times um most of us just assume that there's like all these limits that we can't do but we don't actually try and see if if we're right about what we think we can't do like when we started this 100 miler um i was not thinking that we would finish even 60 miles in i I was not thinking that we were going to finish but we just kept going and kept going and i just didn't really think about, am I going to finish? I just thought about, well, let's just keep going and until until we can't, until the limit has been hit. And then it turned out that 100 miles apparently is not quite yet the limit. Um, so yeah, I think that's part of it for me. I just like, I like that um, idea of just seeing where where the limits might be because otherwise I think I get in like the headspace of I'm making up all these stupid arbitrary limits that don't really exist. But yeah.
2: Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny. She mentioned this, you know, like a two mile run used to be the long run <laughs> and we joke, you know, we run together at least a couple times a week usually. And, you know, we, we've gone out recently and run 11 miles and it's, it's, that's become regular. And we'll, we'll go to Umstead here, the state park here, and we'll go for an 11 mile run, you know, on trails and we, we finish and we'll look at one another and go, yeah, that used to be the long run you know and, and that's been a running joke with us as that's kind of indexed up obviously it's it's plateaued a little bit when you're <laughs> when when 11 miles is no longer a really long you know a long run you know you're not going to go to like 50 miles a, you know every once a week or something like that but that's always been a running joke with us about that and I I think it's it's funny Grace and I have never really had the conversation that you just had with her George she's never answered that question but I've always felt like that myself, you know, my, my Strava tagline is never leave anything on the trail, but your lunch, <laughs> you know, and I've always had that opinion of, I don't know when my, you know, when I've hit my limit until I've actually gone over it a little bit and George has witnessed me go over <laughs> the limit. Well, <laughs> a few and you, times and you've you've seen me go over the limit. Yeah. yeah I've seen George go over it. I think that's something that's part, that's a, that's a big piece of endurance running is, you know, what is my endurance? So it's, it's kind of nice. It's, it's interesting to hear that from my 17 year old daughter. And I've seen that I've definitely seen that. And, you know, the progression, as you said, Michelle, it's been pretty, it's pretty quick to go from, you know, 15 struggling through two miles <laughs> to 17, you know, running a hundred miles. That's- yeah. I mean,
1: I think it's, it's fascinating. I mean, I only got into running because my neighbors were best friends twin girls top hat soccer players here in Atlanta we had this two mile loop and I grew up in a neighborhood Indian Hills which was very hilly um and they could run this loop and I couldn't and I wanted to I couldn't play soccer like them but I was like well I'm going to run like them but I think like I was 14 when I went out and did that and now I'm 40 (laughs) that's weird but like I don't even really feel like I've kind of hit the the limit the way that you know, that Grace talks about right now. Like, I don't know that I've actually had that experience of being at that absolute threshold and then realizing that that actually isn't the threshold. So I think that's pretty amazing. Kind of sure. scary for what might come next, but. <laughs>
0: <laughs> for sure, for sure. So let's talk about the your training then. Um, and so, so 11 miles used to be a long run, 11 miles is not such a long run anymore. Um, how, how did y'all, and this is a question for both Grace and Eric, um, how did y'all prepare for this? Um, and, and what did, what were some of the specific sessions you did in order to prepare you for the rigors of the Black Hills 100?
3: Our training might seem like under training. Um, I think a lot of people expect that I run a lot more than I do, but especially with school and stuff, it's, it's hard to have the time to like go out and run 10 miles every day. So, um, I mean, he, he found a a couple, like, I mean, he did a lot of research and read some books and we found kind of like a running plan that seemed kind of like what we were looking for. I think, what was it? It was like, it was just a plan to run a hundred mile. It was
2: it was sort of, it was like you're uh, from a marathon to a hundred mile or yeah. running plan. So, and it, it basically said it was started. If you're a 30 mile a week runner, this is how you get to run.
3: And we just so. kind of started at like, you know, 40, I, I had kind of been running, I think at that point, running around 40 miles a week, maybe like a little more some weeks, a little less some weeks, depending yeah. on kind of what um, was happening, but we kind of started at like 40-ish miles. And I think what, what I hadn't really done before was running really long, long runs. I had kind of just been, if I did a 50 mile week, I was running just like seven miles every day instead of, you know, taking a day off and then running a 14 or 15 mile run. Um, so I think that was one of the big things we changed with my training from doing like the 50 milers to training for this specific 100 miler. Um, cause I was, I think I was just really nervous about trying to do like an 18 mile run regularly. Cause sometimes I, I felt like, what if it didn't work out on the day because, you know, I had a ton of schoolwork or I wasn't feeling good or something like that. Um, but yeah, we just kind of started, I think I was running, I was taking like one to two days off and then running and it kind of progressed from like the 40 miles up to like 50 miles, I guess, probably by the end of the training plan and just like slightly longer long runs. And then we did um, we started running a lot hillier too, because the black Hills um, is pretty hilly. (laughs) Um, So we started switching our long runs from doing them at the tobacco trail, which is fairly like a flat place to run around here to doing them at Umstead, which is a pretty hilly place to run or, um, just kind of like around our house, which is also a pretty hilly place to run. And I think I had always been a little bit afraid of running up hilly runs all the time. Cause I was worried that like it was going to make my runs a lot slower, or it was just going to make my, like give me injuries or something like that. But I think preparing for this race, we really embraced like the, we're just going to run up the hilly runs and we're going to do the trail runs, even if they don't go well, or, you know, like they, they make us really tired or our runs are really slow or something like that. Right. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what we did. We, we did some night runs to, to practice running with headlamps and stuff, but
1: yeah, I was going to ask were there any runs through the nights with special gear poles, headlamps, any stuff like that that you guys needed for the actual race that you practice with ahead of time?
0: Yeah. Cause, cause we should say just as a piece of context, it took 30, a little bit over 33 hours and so, so you ran through the night, you started at 10 o'clock in the morning, you ran through the night and then went into the, the middle of the next day, basically, right?
2: That's right. It, we, the race started at 10 o'clock and we finished eight.
1: We finished before eight. We, we finished, finished at 7.30, right? 7.30 the next night.
2: Yeah. Right. I was, I was like, wait a minute, that doesn't work right. out. Right. right. I, so, 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 Tell you, us
1: about the training runs that prepared you for running all night.
2: Well, let me, let me just, let me say something. Cause I think this is important um so grace grace had a pretty good base when we started this she had been running you know like she mentioned you know averaging 25 35 miles per week and we took a long time to get there now you, you know most people who are running 100 miles have been running for 10 years and we did this you know in a under three-year time frame but um we were really careful along the ways and you know if, if, if you try to coach your teenage kid. That's tough. (laughs) And one thing I learned through this was she's going to have to sort of experience some of these things herself. You know, she mentioned that in the, in the beginning, she felt like I should be able to run faster. And then she ended up struggling with runs and she had to learn to run slower. She really had to learn that herself. I I I could not convince her of that. (laughs) And then she mentioned the second thing where, you know, seven miles a day will give you 42 miles a week if you take one day off but it doesn't prepare you for a hundred mile run. And Grace had to learn that, you know, she had to learn to run the three and four mile runs during the week and be okay with that. And then plan for and execute that long run on the weekend. And, and then also, you know, she, she's expressed this also, you know, sometimes that day just doesn't work five miles in eight miles in, 10 miles in, it just doesn't work. And Grace really learned how to, you know, either fight through that when it's not working or back up, retrench, go out the next day, go out two days later, or just, Hey, that didn't work out. Restart. And, and I think those were all things that I learned as a, as a coach slash father, I had to be careful with this. Cause this is not something any, any teenager can do like their body will break down. And I had to be very ca- conscious of what she was saying to me. And I told her all the time, you know, be very open with me about what's hurting, what's bothering you. Cause we need to be careful with this because my thing was, I was always, I was always afraid she was going to break herself. Cause I, I, I probably would do that. <laughs> and then the second thing was grace near the end of this middle of this training plan. She really took over. Um, and she started running her training on a week to week basis. And that was almost essential because she knew, how hard she was working in school and how little time she had for this, that, and the other, and what was coming up. I didn't really understand her schedule all the time. So she had to sort of take control of this and make it happen. And I wanna say that because I say I'm a coach, but I wasn't really coaching Grace through a good portion of this. She was kind of using me as an advisor, but she was tracking her runs, planning her runs, getting her runs in, asking me for help when she needed it. And if you look at her progression up to this 100 miler, it's a nice steady slope <laughs> and then a nice taper and then a hundred miles.
3: Yeah. I mean, there, there were definitely a couple, there was a period where like there was a week I got sick and then there was a week that I, I had like senior thesis, which was like this big speech I had to do. And of course they all kind of happened together. So there were like multiple times when, if you look at my Strava, my training really fell off. Um, but I think I did kind of get back and he helped me, kind of get through the mental struggle of like this week, I only ran 20 miles because I was really sick this week and I couldn't run and getting over that and kind of getting into like, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to be able to do my race. And that doesn't mean that it's not going to work out. It's just, I have to kind of work through that a little bit. Um, and even like some of the runs that didn't always work out, I think he, he really helped me figure out how to just like either keep going or, um, figure out a plan for how to make up that run or just leave that run if I couldn't make it up. So yeah, I, it it wasn't a perfect steady progression, but I guess it got the job done
0: (laughs) for sure. For sure. And did you have, you mentioned like your senior thesis and you mentioned getting sick. Was it difficult to, cause just thinking back to when I was in high school and of course I taught high school for several years as well, like things come up, and so so did you did you find that there were several times when you had to adjust what your plan was because yeah. your senior thesis wasn't coming to you the way it should have or because that that calc final that you had turned out to be that you need to study more for more than you thought you were going to or something like that?
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, the week that I mentioned that I got sick, I, it was so weird. In the middle of COVID, my entire chemistry class managed to get a, like some sort of sickness that was exactly like COVID, but we all tested negative. Um, but, you know, we all had like fevers and we're sick at home and it was awful. And I, I just couldn't run that week. So I, I had to completely adjust the plan and kind of throw out some of my runs. And then I had to kind of do something different the next week too, because I hadn't run the week before. Um, and then there were a couple of days where I had to switch runs because I had a big test um, or something like that. And it, it was kind of hard for me mentally just to like not do exactly what the plan said. Yeah. And
2: that's, you know, one thing that Grace is, she can grind through studying. She can grind through a project. She, she can, she kind of grind through the running. And one thing that I was, you know, there's a difference between like grinding through a study period to get to a test and literally grinding your body (laughs) through a a running period. And it it was, it was training her, you know, with like rest slow as fast and rest is, is extremely important in the process. Um, we did, we also, we sprinkled in some, you know, I I wouldn't really call it speed work, but I would call (laughs) it faster runs and whatnot. George, you know, I I don't necessarily coach to the, to the event specifically, but I, you know, I try to make sure the tempo's in there, the VO two works in there and stuff like that. So we, we sprinkled that stuff in also as well as getting that big Mm -hmm. run at the end. But I think that was sometimes the stuff that got thrown out yeah. because hey you really can't think about this now you just need to go out and do a run mm-hmm. and i it's actually become i think you know grace grace can correct me if i'm wrong it's actually become kind of cathartic to her sometimes in those rough mm-hmm. times to get outside and get that run in
0: mm-hmm.
3: um so. yeah i sometimes i i just i have to run because otherwise I, I can't sleep or like i i just i feel like i gotta do something yeah. <laughs> so yeah.
1: i i think it's kinda of like I, I'm stuck with it now. <laughs> but I think it's also a great overall lesson for any training cycle. I mean, you can look at a perfect plan, whether it's six weeks, fourteen weeks, I agree. You know, from five K to ultra and hardly anyone, I don't even think professional runners are gonna, you know, get it a hundred percent. And you can get sick and you can have stressful weeks and you can run twenty miles instead of forty, but the overall training might not suffer at all. You might still be able to meet your goal. So
0: yeah. I, I I totally agree with that, and I think that's I, I'm glad you said that, Michelle. And I think it is important for us to underline that because I do think a lot of people, like Grace said, when they look at the schedule and they realize that they can't do exactly what was on the schedule, that in they freak and of itself out. is stressful. Yeah, yeah. Sure. It, it, I mean, for Grace, difficult. it might
1: be you know AP calculus or senior thesis. For us, mm-hmm. it might be a kid situation or, right. or anything. It's just but it's one and the same. I mean, you can look at a training cycle on the whole and still be super successful, even if you don't, you know, mark off each week, day by day. perfectly. Totally agree. So. I
0: totally agree. You know, George,
2: I find myself when I repeat something that I heard somebody else say, I'm like, that must've been really smart.
0: And, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and
2: I've said to somebody, and I think I've said this to grace, we can set up the perfect running plan, but every three or four weeks, something's going to happen. And that's going to set up your rest week. Right. And, and George said that on a podcast. I don't, I think it was a podcast or maybe we were just talking about training plans a long time ago. And I had to, I was like, where did that come from? Oh, that actually came from George. He's like, I don't plan for that fourth rest week all the time. Sometimes it just happens. You get right. sick, you get hurt, you have an emergency at home, something like that. And mm-hmm. I think that's just something I've tried to you know remind grace of these things happen. Yeah. And it's, you know, the fact that it happens, isn't the big deal. It's like how you kind of work around it, deal with it and move on
0: sure for sure um did y'all did you so you mentioned like testing out your lamps um you had to have lamps for this you had poles for this how did y'all decide um uh eric when he first told us about it uh uh told us the down to the brands of the shoes that y'all were wearing and the shorts and everything else like that so how did y'all how did y'all decide which equipment you were going to wear
3: um or for, use i mean the poles were actually were those mom's idea or was that you yeah, no, I think we're,
2: we're lucky enough to have, have um, brilliant
3: Melissa. <laughs> the, yeah. the, those polls, like if if you're not someone who's done a race like this before that's gonna be like going really fast, those polls, if they allow you to have them, which not all races do, they are a lifesaver. Um, especially in that last that last like ten hours where everything hurts and the polls help, especially when you're going downhill and stuff like that. But um, for the other gear, I mean, like, I just, I, I love those. Um, it's this Johnji like alpaca shirt. They don't make it anymore, um, but it's made out of like alpaca fibers. I don't like dry fit. It feels weird and I don't like it. Um, so I don't, I don't like synthetic materials. So I have that shirt and I've worn it, I think for probably like most of the ultras that we do just because yep. it's my favorite yep. and it's falling apart now. So I'm going to have to find something else, but that, that's why I wore that one. Um, and then I, I tried a pair of like those kind of tight compression type shorts, just because I was like, I don't want chafing if I'm going to be out there for that long. Um, so those were from John G as well. And I, I liked those. Um, I think I got them like a couple weeks before the race. Cause I thought, Oh, maybe I should get a pair of shorts that won't help me chafe. And then I ran in them two or three times and I was like, eh, I like these. So I wore those. Um,
2: did you have any chafing?
3: I did not not from my shorts. So I had some from my backpack, but none from my shorts. Right. So I recommend those. Um and then my backpack I I actually I think maybe a couple of years ago last year A
2: year, year Yeah,
3: like a year ago I kind of was like, well, I feel like I need to get a running backpack. So I did all the research on my own because I wanted one that would be big enough to fit enough stuff for any kind of race i needed to do but wouldn't be too heavy so i, I found i don't know if he mentioned he may have told you guys already about what we wore <laughs> <laughs> okay but um it's from black diamond um and it's like an eight liter backpack but it's it's made for um, ultra running and mountaineering so it has lots of space in it and it's mm-hmm. got lots of pockets and stuff um so yeah and it's really well balanced as well so I found that a while ago and I've been using that a little bit just like for my long runs to carry my water, even though it's a little bit of overkill for like a 15 mile run, but it's you get still, used to it. yeah, you yeah. get used to it. And it's not heavier than like, you know, your standard Nathan backpack. It's just a little bigger. Um, and it carries, you know, like the two liters of water than anything else would do. So I, I wore that. And then
2: what about your shoes, my shoes, <laughs> So about your shoes. <laughs> my
3: shoes was quite a story. So I don't know if, um, my dad has mentioned this before, but, I have what I like to call flipper feet and I have very narrow heels, but my, my toe box is exceedingly wide. <laughs> um, like a wide is like a D width for women. And I'm like slightly above that. So it's really hard for me to find shoes. I like, and especially trail shoes um, up until like a couple of months ago, probably I didn't own a trail shoe. Cause when we ran on trails, it was like a gravel trail generally, or, I was fine just using my regular shoes on single track. Um, I had tried the on cloud ultra for the last 50 we did and I liked it and it didn't give me a whole lot of problems except for since the race we did was like on the beach, it got a lot of sand in the shoe. I don't think it's intended to be a beach run shoe. Um, Other than that, though, that one is good. But then a couple like a week or week, I think before the race, um, maybe like two weeks before the race, I wore those shoes and they were hurting my foot so i freaked out because i was like oh my gosh they're gonna be too tight and they're gonna give me
2: some moderate freak out yeah
3: it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> too bad um but I, I got really nervous about it so i just i started doing some research and i was trying to find like a shoe that might work for me that i could get in time um and i i i looked it up and i i found the new balance hero um, so we ordered a pair, um, off of Amazon because you can get it in like two day shipping.
2: My daughter who works Hold
3: there. on you work at Fleet Feet and you do have a trail <laughs> shoe that fits me at Fleet Feet. I've tried them all on and I do not like any of them because they don't fit and they're not comfortable and they hurt my feet. <laughs> so yeah, of course. And it, it kind of annoys me because I work at Fleet Feet and there's maybe like three to five shoes that actually fit me and work for what I need them to. Um, which is frustrating to say the least but I was, was it love
2: at first sight with these new balance heroes
3: no we we ordered three different sizes so I could try them on and see what fit um and I was very stressed about it because I was like I don't know if my foot's gonna swell I I'm a classic overthinker so the shoes weren't that but nice. this, you know, this is this is
0: this is on. a good place to overthink though I feel like I mean you, you need to obsess a little bit over your equipment, probably particularly over your shoes. But uh, if nothing else, you're in good company with those who obsess and overthink about gear uh, here on this podcast.
3: But yeah, I, I ended up keeping the the men's wide because I was like,
0: huh.
3: I do not want them to be too narrow, and I was like, I don't care if they slip on my heel a little bit. He helped me retie them and all sorts of different ways. So we'd also tried like four different tying methods. Lacing. Lacing (laughs) methods. Sorry. Um, I should know that I work at Fleet Feet, but (laughs) we tried them and I was like, I guess this is what I have. So I'm going to use it. Um, And then I
2: think I relaced them the night before the race. She asked me to change them the night before the race because they had actually stretched out a little bit and they had started Mm -hmm. to fit her feet correctly. So we needed to move the lacing up a little bit to be a little more tighter. But yeah, I
3: I wore them, I think, three times before we ran the race. I wore them once on just like a, a walk in the woods on a trail that was just like kind of near our house. And then I wore them once running in, um, Umstead with, with you. Mm. And it was like a six mile run. <laughs> and then I wore them the night before the race, when it poured, when we were doing our, like our pre-race our run. Free race run, which actually I think worked out for me because when your shoes get wet, they kind of mold to your foot a little bit. So that seemed to work pretty well. Um, and then we dried them with the hairdryer frantically before the race. Yes. So it was, it was quite the like saga of me getting a pair of shoes, but they worked out pretty well. They were a little loose in the heel because I did get the men's size, So I got some blisters in my heels. We just didn't think to tape them. Um, but other than that, like they performed really well and I was pretty happy with them um
2: you wore them for 105 miles. I wore them for
3: 105 miles I didn't change them um even though I did put like a random pair of shoes that were road shoes that I knew fit me in every drop bag because I was like I guess it's better to be slipping down the hill but my feet don't hurt um mm-hmm. but I ended yeah. up deciding that it wasn't <laughs> better to be slipping down the hill so yeah but yeah that that was the story of my shoes but I do recommend the New Balance Hero to anyone who might want to try
1: it it was pretty good all right. Um, okay. So I think we talked a little bit about the training, a little bit about the gear that you use going into the race. And then of course, what everybody wants to know for everybody running hundred miles is what was your nutrition like leading into the race? And, and what did you choose to, what did you, what did you test, you know, during training and then choose to use in the race? Um, oh, so, and, and also, wait a second. I need you to tell us if you are quasi-going vegetarian, vegan, like your father is right now.
3: <laughs> well, I actually am the one who's been badgering him to stop eating so much meat. Cause Whoa. I, ever since I was a kid, I didn't really like meat very much. Um, so I tried to avoid it, but my parents were like, no, you have to eat it. <laughs> um, but now they don't tell me what I have to eat anymore. So, <laughs> so, um, I, I don't actually eat any red meat and I don't eat, um, cheese and like most dairy products. And then I sometimes will eat like chicken or fish or something like that, but it's usually like once or twice a week at the most. At so most. Yeah, I, I eat like mostly plant
1: stuff. But, but what are you eating? What is a, in a big mileage week for you? Let's say it's your last week before training. The taper hasn't started. Like, what is it? what is a day in the life of food look like for you getting ready for this race?
3: It's usually kind of different. I mean, the week before we definitely normally will eat like I don't know, probably like, I would normally eat like maybe 500 calories more than I usually would the first, like the couple days before. So like the, you know, two or three days before, I guess for this race. But other than that, I didn't really change the way I ate for like the weeks. I just kind of, Hey, I mean, I, I don't, I kind of
1: change it up. I mean, I
2: give her some ideas. Like, no, okay.
1: tell me, what are you eating for uh, breakfast? For breakfast. Okay. Yeah. So what is your dad cooking for you?
2: <laughs> I I don't.
3: So um for breakfast, I actually this is kind of weird, but I like eating hummus for breakfast. So sometimes recently I've been eating a lot of like pita and hummus for breakfast, which is kind of yeah. weird, but it's pretty good. Um otherwise I'll eat like bagels or um cereal. I mean pretty standard for lunch a lot of times i eat a lot of fruit (laughs) lots of fruit you can attest to that i pretty much have fruit at like every single meal except for sometimes breakfast um i i eat um i'm trying to think like i I mean i eat like quinoa a lot that's something that i take for lunch for like Mm -hmm. school and stuff i'll make i sometimes i will kind of prepare my meals in advance if i'm going to school so like i'll make a couple we have like these little quinoa bags that you can buy (laughs) But I make those and then I like cut up vegetables and stuff and put them in there. So I really like that um for like lunch and sometimes dinner. And then are you adding beans to that or you're just putting in the quinoa and loading it up with vegetables like and quinoa stuff? and rice? So quinoa yeah. and rice, and then I'll put like um tomatoes and she's
2: trying to figure tomatoes. out where you get your protein. Oh I where think do you quinoa get your pro- has protein Yeah, in but where do, where else do you get? Where do
3: protein? I get my I don't eat a whole lot of protein? I eat a lot of peanut butter. She's I really like peanut, peanut, butter. peanut butter. Um <laughs> So, yeah, I get protein from, you know, like chickpeas, peanut butter. Sometimes I'll have, like, you know, chicken or fish or something for dinner. Um, and I, I do eat yogurt sometimes because I like yogurt. So that's the one dairy product that I do sometimes right. eat. Um, but, yeah, I'm trying to think, like, if there's any.
2: Yeah, Melissa's really good. It's 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 a little crazy sometimes, but Melissa's really good at making meals. We'll, we'll make two meals for dinner. And yeah. tonight's a great example. Uh, Melissa made lasagna, but. For the meat eaters, we'll have your you know typical lasagna. Uh, and for grace, she'll make her a vegetable lasagna with no cheese.
1: yeah, like George's lasagna,
0: which you loved
1: vegan lasagna, <laughs> which, which which
0: which Michelle came to my house a couple of weeks ago and and said, mid meal this is actually really good <laughs> <laughs> so, so that might have yeah. been the highlight of my month of june um,
2: but i would say this grace um she kind of takes care of herself in the food department a lot because she realizes like she's eating a little different from the rest of us so. yeah i
3: usually will make myself something if i don't want what's made for dinner or i just eat some of like if you guys make some kind of meat thing. I'll eat like whatever else you made. Right.
2: And then if we make kebabs, I'll make just vegetable kebabs with, you know, I don't know. And then vegetables. I'll just eat
1: like some peanut butter and vegetable kebabs. <laughs> so mostly a plant-based diet really. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: And then what are you fueling with when you're, you know, out on the training long runs? And I know fueling was a little bit of an issue in the race, but had it gone perfectly, what, what would your choice of fuel have been? Um. So, I did practice like trying to eat stuff while I
3: run because I, if in an ideal world, I don't really feel the need to like eat during a 15 mile run. Like every once in a while, I'll take something in case I start to crash. Um, but I, I got like some booze, um, cause I, I hate them. They taste awful, but they do seem to work in terms of like shorter runs for me. I, I tried like a couple of the like hammer gels and the goose. Um, over some of my longer runs. And those seem to be working pretty well for me. For the fifties, I've always done peanut butter and jelly. That's like one of my favorite things. Cause it's got a little bit of protein and then like enough carbs. Cause I think the ratio is supposed to be like eight to one or something carbs to protein. And I feel like peanut butter and jelly is probably kind of around there. Yeah. So I've always used that for the um, runs. And then I've also done pretzels before. So most of like my experience with fueling is during ultras. I don't eat a whole lot while I like in physically running, um, we did do yeah we did do like a, a thirty mile training run because Peyton's got canceled this year so instead we went out and ran a fifty k just like around our house and we brought like I think we brought like baked potato chips and um, baked some Lays peanut butter potato crackers chips. <laughs> the baked potato chips are good there they we didn't take the good amount morning. of salt because there were kind of there's a lot of air in those bags and we didn't have. Yeah. To, so we couldn't take to Sturgis, but I've used those before on like runs like that. And they've been pretty good for me. But what I discovered when running hundred miles is after about a 50 mile or so like the 12 hours, cause generally when I run 50 miles, it takes me anywhere between like, you know, I think the fastest I've gone is like nine 55. And then like the longest has been like 12 ish. Yeah. So I I'm not used to having to run longer than that. And I discovered that I can't eat longer than 12 hours, at least the way I was trying to, because during the race, what we kind of had planned was we had read that like every 45 minutes to an hour, you should be trying to eat, you know, a hundred to 150 calories if you can. So that's kind of what we started with. And I was just eating like a goo or, um,
2: stinger waffles,
3: stinger waffles, or like we brought some goldfish. Um, and I had just kind of been eating and I I feel like I, I wasn't probably quite on that 45 but I was eating pretty regularly and then I just started feeling sick at like 12 12 hours so I just decided to stop eating because at the last race we did I threw up a lot and it was awful um so I didn't want to do that again because I think mentally it's just hard to keep going after you throw up um but yeah I, I just stopped eating and i drank ginger ale at every aid station and that was like it for the rest of the race
2: yeah so Um, we've kind of transitioned into the the race i was gonna say it's a
0: nice segue to talk about the race itself yeah right Uh, yeah very good well so so
3: nutrition while training did not translate into nutrition while racing so well that's something i'm still trying to figure out um
0: well it didn't it didn't be on the 50 mile mark which i think is super interesting actually yeah um and so so it did for everything you've experienced before but you had you had a completely novel experience beyond 50 miles which is i guess yeah. we probably expected
1: i mean you hear you know.
0: yeah that's well, what i mean yeah um, what, so what
2: grace so, yeah. was trying to get to and i i this is our current theory you know we get a new theory every time something like this <laughs> happens <But laughs> our theory this time and somebody mentioned this to us while we were running is she might just be taking in too many calories At the
0: beginning. too many
2: too many calories and too many things that are not um Normal to her diet, yeah. and her body just revolted, mm-hmm. and and we were we were smart enough. We we've, we've learned from talking to other runners, and you know I'll, I'm going to give uh, Brett wellworn kudos to this one. He said when you get to that point, there's two things that you can do: stop eating, slow down.
3: Yeah,
2: and you will recover. He said you will recover, but if you keep eating, or if you try to keep going at the pace you're going, you will not recover. So that was, yeah. that was the, I would say that's one thing that definitely worked this time. Yeah. And as Grace said, just to kind of cap the, the, the nutrition during the race, she didn't eat again, really until I we were done. I,
3: I had half a piece of white bread
2: Oh, and that's right. that was a
3: little ambitious. Cause I felt pretty sick after that. <laughs> right. Um, and I think
2: you
0: had a two bites of a tortilla.
2: I had
3: a little bit of a tortilla as well. Cause like, I was, so you're, really you're
0: still eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich just without the peanut butter and jelly.
3: Yeah, because I was like, the peanut butter and jelly is going to be too much for me. So I'm just going to go with the white bread. Um, but unfortunately, I I did not feel as bad as I felt at that. Like, I think it was the 12-hour mark. We were probably, we weren't quite at 50 at that point. We were going pretty slow. Um, we were probably like 45 or we were so. We 40,
2: 45, yeah. Um,
3: but then it was pretty bad until, I think. 75. Eh, maybe, it, it, yeah, it was pretty bad until, like, 70-something. You
2: didn't start really running again until over 70 miles.
3: I think it was more around 60, because... <laughs> we can yeah, argue about around, this all night long. 60 it was around um, 60, because it was after pilot pilot Okay, which was 61.
2: Now, so here's just here's just an interesting thing, you know, just I don't have issues eating.
3: Yeah, he eats eating. everything.
2: My my pre-race was uh, I ate about 2,000 calories of ice cream a couple <laughs> nights before. I literally ate everything in sight leading up to this. Um, I typically don't have any issues eating, but when this started, the wheels started coming off of grace, I actually started having trouble. Like I didn't want to eat in front of her. And then I started forgetting about eating because I was trying to help her get through her issues. And then it got to the point where I didn't want to eat. You know, it was like, it it just, nothing, nothing sounded good anymore, which is really weird for me. Um, But we soldiered through
3: yeah i got i I got my
2: appetite back at the finish
3: yeah he definitely did um (laughs) i i think that was one of the things i was like most surprised about i didn't think that like i would be able to continue because i mean essentially i i mean it was over 20 hours that like i was just running on ginger ale ginger ale and not a whole (laughs) lot of it um but like, yeah, I was I didn't think that I was going to be able to keep going without, you know, passing out or feeling sick or feeling sicker from not eating. But I mean, I, I wouldn't recommend it, but it, it was I it kind of was another boundary that like I just kept going with, yeah. I think. But Yeah.
0: yeah. All right. So, so let's talk about the race itself. Then you say it started at 10 a.m. That's all we know about the start so far. Take it from there. <laughs> What, 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 what did you, what did you know about the race? What were the, I think there, there were different phases of the race. I want to say there were like different, um, like different parts of the trail. It was an out and back in that. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so and we know it was hilly. Yeah. So the Black Hills 100 is really 105 miles. They give you five bonus it's miles.
2: Good, good to lead with that. <laughs> yeah. So, and and they, they're very open about that on the website, but it's actually good, good.
3: What's a bargain. You yeah. It's a bargain. Five miles free. It's
2: free. <laughs> By the end, we were like, we could give you back the five miles. We just yeah. cut some corners here and there. But it, it, it starts out in Sturgis um and the beginning of the race is really all flat it's on a sidewalk
3: for like a mile for
2: like a mile <laughs> and then you kind of step into the foothills of the black hills mountains and i would say that their description on the website is you go up you go down you go up you dig down yeah. you go up you go down and then you turn around and you're all over again yeah um and so it's a seven about seventeen thousand feet of elevation gain so you don't end up 17,000 feet above where you started, but with all the ups, um, not detracting with the downs, you get about 17,000 feet over the course of the, of the run. Um, I'd say that, you know, the, the hills, some of them are rather steep and rocky and nasty. Um, there were 13 or 26 miles, so 13 out and 13 back miles in an ATV park where the roads had been torn up by the ATVs. Uh, it, had, it was wet. It had rained right before. And actually the first, I don't know, three or four hours it was raining on us. So that's that what, was-
0: what's an ATV park.
2: Is it a uh, park where people vehicle- go to ride their ATVs? Yep, all-terrain vehicle park. Gotcha. It's
3: well, like a dirt trail with a lot of rocks. We kicked <laughs> a lot of rocks.
2: Well, and yeah. So one thing we learned was, you know, when it's wet and cars are driving over the rocks, the rocks end up looking like the dirt. And we hit that section at dusk. So as it's getting dark and then it got to really dark, we hit that section and you can't see the rocks that you're going to trip over. It just looks like the rocks
1: are like under thick mud, basically
2: thin mud. It's like thin mud, right? So sometimes you step on them and you slip other times you think it's mud and you're kicking it with your toe and they don't really care about, you know, the, the, the grade on an ATV park. Right. You know, so that was,
3: I'll be you honest.
2: You were particularly unhappy during I, that section. Everybody was particularly unhappy during <laughs> that section, I'll be honest with you. So, and I so that that was tough. And this was also where the the nutrition stuff was starting to hit and all that.
3: Yeah, on the on the way out.
2: Yeah. Great. But it's an out and back 52 and a half miles. They have a aid station about every 7 miles, which is great. Um, they have, uh, three, you put three drop bag bags out one at
3: 17, 31 and 50.
2: Yeah. So 17, 31 and 50. So you see two of those drop bags twice. Cause you can see them on the way back. And, um, I, I would say that on, you know, on a, on a one to 10 scale for like how they run the race, it's very low key. And I'd, I'd give them like an eight and a half nine because that's, that's what they want it to be like. You know, they, they're not, they're not, they don't have people there doing blister care, yeah. but they do, they are checking you in and out, you know, making sure who's on the course. They do have cutoff times on the way back, but yeah, so that's the Black Hills um, and it's beautiful. It's, it's
0: drop dead
3: beautiful yeah. out there. So it's hard to appreciate it, but it, <laughs> it was really
0: pretty. Because it was dark, not because you were so tired. And because of <laughs> yeah. course
3: the, the, what was apparently the prettiest part of the course, or at least one of the best views. Um, was of course the part where we came in at two o'clock and we turned around <laughs> there too so we didn't get to see the, yeah. <laughs> the beautiful lake that everyone told us about which was kind of disappointing but it we still saw some great views so it, it was really cool
2: right and there's about 150 starters there were 150 people yes on the race and so. there were
3: like 70 80 finishers
2: there were 75 or 80 finishers yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So
1: what miles again were this, the ATV section on the way out?
2: So it was like
1: 40 something to 60, it was
2: no, 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 it was, oh, no, no. it's like 35 or, or 30 to 45. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like 30 to 45.
1: So this goes, is how you guys kind of started your night basically through exactly. this
2: section. So at about, about 30 miles, you hit it at about 45, you get yeah, out yeah, of yeah. it. That and doesn't it mean 60. it gets easy, but then you turn around and, and then it's from 60 to 75 yeah, on the yeah. way back.
1: So take us through the rest of the night because I think we kind of know now that (laughs) got a little bit tough, right?
3: So I think the one thing that did help is the, the flattest part, which isn't saying much is the, the like part before you turn around. I feel like most of the big Hills are in that first um, 50, 45 miles. Yeah. That first 45 miles, maybe even kind of in that first, first like 30 miles or so. I feel like the ATV trail, well, rocky and not so great terrain it wasn't as hilly as some of the other parts no
2: i agree um
3: and the part right before you turn around wasn't as hilly either but i was feeling not so great um pretty much the whole night um it was not my my favorite time and we kind of we had slow kind of wind night hit was when i started feeling sick so we kind of started to slow down and we were kind of thinking like i mean at this point in the race trying to push through is a bad idea because we're not far enough in that we're going to be able to push through for another, you know, 60, 70 miles. Um, but we're not like so far in as well that like, if we slow down for a little bit, that it's going to completely wreck our chances of finishing. So kind of at that point, we are like, we're just going to slow down until I feel better um, and then, if I don't feel better, we're just going to keep going until they tell us that we can no longer keep going because we have missed the cutoff. Um, so, that was the plan. It was kind of just, we're going to do what we can um, until we can't. So, that, that's kind of what we were thinking. And throughout and, and the
0: whole night, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Grace. Are you all articulating this plan? Or are you all yes, just like, it, so? you actually discussing it and talking about that's it with what one I another? Him, I, right. I think
3: he told me that you're feeling sick, we need to slow down. And I said, okay, well then I guess, is it that what we do is we slow down to like, you know, a, a 20-ish minute pace? Probably we were, we had been going like 17-ish minute miles, 16, 17 minute miles. And that was kind of what our plan was to continue doing that until 50, then reevaluate and decide what we are gonna do on the way back. Right. Um, but what we ended up doing was kind of slowing down to like a 19 to 20-ish minute pace, um, maybe even a little slower, I'm we're not running. sure.
2: Yeah, that last seven and a half miles we had spurts where we were moving a little quicker because it was flat. But yeah. We were, we were hitting 22, 24 yeah. minute miles, which
3: is too slow. Um, cause right. you have to run 19 minute miles to, be able to finish. That was, we had calculated that beforehand, um, with a little bit of room for like if the course was slightly longer than we thought it was, which it was, um, but <laughs> that, and we were just like, well, I guess we just have to keep going until I feel better. And the whole night I didn't feel any better. It was, kind of
2: awful um no, i'll just so, say one thing here is we're still running kind of in the same group of people that we started with yeah the we people, see we see different people you know you're always going to see different people and of course we saw all the people returning and yeah. some of them were flying back oh yeah but We had this group of about seven people, I'd say, that we kind of consistently saw through the race. Some
3: of them were right ahead of us. Some of them were right behind us. They they, were like, yeah.
2: Right. But what was interesting at the 52 and a half mile mark, and Grace can confirm or deny this, is we started, those people started dropping out.
3: We saw less. Like when we started turning around, there were some people we didn't see anymore. And I think that's when a couple of the people dropped out kind of at the 50 mile mark, because I think that's a really easy place to drop out. It's like. The aid station, it's in the middle of the night. Um, If you hit it by the cutoff, the cutoff is at 3.30. I think we hit it around two, Two. a little after two. Um, And I think to finish, you really should be hitting it at three. And then that's like, you better be going the same pace on the way back that you went on the way out. and I think at that aid station, it's kind of a bigger aid station. They've got like a little house. Sort They've of got thing. chairs and They've it's got comfortable. Um, <laughs> it's pretty warm and comfortable because it's kind of cold during the night. So I think that's a really easy place to turn around, um, or to not turn around and just quit. So yeah, we we started seeing less of the people, and especially on the way back when we were going the other way, a lot of people that were kind of five minutes behind us that we would. Not see while we were running, but see at every aid station, you know, right before we left. Um, they weren't there or they were kind of looking pretty bad. When I rolled um,
2: them, right?
3: So, yeah, and I think that that was kind of.
2: I think it was helpful yeah it it, it kind of reset your this is hard it really it was kind of like a this is not easy this is hard because a lot of these people had some pretty strong running backgrounds yeah they've been running for 15 20 years they've done multiple you know 100 milers this one of the ladies she was training to do the triple crown of 200s yeah she didn't even make it halfway you know and you know so we started seeing that and then after we got through the second checkpoint on the way back the sun came up. So yeah. let's
1: talk about that because Eric, if I go back and look, we got an update from you at 7, 10 AM, difficult night, chasing cutoffs now. And then George is, you know, giving you this mojo about sunrise brings a new day, pep talk. And then about two hours later, we hear from you and you say, just left Nemo 38 miles to go. I don't know where Grace got her, but she started running again. <laughs> Some incomplete thought that made a lot of sense to us. Like things were turning around. So What happened in those in those two hours where you were had us all worried because you were like what
2: happened on the ATV course. Well,
1: so the sun
3: came up right before we hit the the aid station right after the turnaround Um, and right after that aid station, we were kind of running up this big hill and I think. I stopped for a second and I was like, I, I don't think I can do this. And he was kind of like, well, you know, we can, you know, stop the next day. And I was like, we can go back to the way we came. And I was like, I'm not going back. I want to at least get through Nemo because um, a lot of people have said like, it's really easy to quit at the pilot knob was the 61 mile mark. And apparently Mm -hmm. a lot of people quit there because that's the hundred K. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to get to the, the 70 mile one. Um, and I think it was right. It was then we kind of started doing it for a little bit. And I just, I thought of it and I was like, I, I really don't want to not be able to finish. And I was kind of like, at this point I'm not feeling any better. And I don't think that continuing to walk is going to make me feel any better. So it seems like the best situation is to run at the pace we have to finish until we can't anymore. Um, cause otherwise we're not going to finish the race slowing down and then trying to speed up later isn't going to work. Um, and our plan wasn't really, it, it, I did feel not as terrible as I did at the very beginning, but I didn't feel good enough that I wanted to run, but I was kind of, I think I just told them like, I want to make sure we can't do it, um, before we, kind of just given the towel and just walk until they tell us we can't
2: she, she tells that story so poorly because
1: <laughs> yeah eric you told it way better when you yeah, recounted. it yeah,
2: and she probably doesn't remember it very well
1: <laughs> i do remember it i just
2: so we, we get to the top of this hill and i think i stopped to tie my shoe or whatever and we're in the atv park this is after after nemo and no
3: it wasn't after nemo it was before nemo.
2: okay so it was before nemo
3: tell
2: you. and grace started jogging down the hill and going downhill is the worst thing at this point. Cause you're just, you're just so, you're in so much pain. And I kind of, I looked up and I, it was kind of like a mirage. Like, I was like, is this really happening? And I'm like, <laughs> my next thought is now I've got to chase her. Right. And I got to go catch up with her. So I, I, I catch up with her. And I look at her and I say, you, what are we doing here? Like, what, what, what are, what are we doing? And Grace looks at me and she just, she just says, well, she didn't look at me. She's looking ahead. So she doesn't trip over something. She said, I just want to make sure I can't do it you know, and, and then from then on, and we're very process driven. So when things start going bad, we start thinking about the process, you know, you know, what's the plan, what's the next step, where am I putting my next foot, you know, just get down into the the, the nitty gritty details. And Grace says to me, I want you to calculate the times we need to get to the finish at 34 hours.
3: Yeah. So we were, we were well, basically
2: just going to ride that 34 hour line as long as Kind of, thing.
3: well. well. I think what we had what we kind of did is until Nemo, which was the 70 it's a little over 70, 70 miles, yeah. like until then we just I just started kind of running and he was just kind of running behind me. And we didn't I don't think at that point we had really started trying to calculate anything. We were trying to get right. to Nemo first, right? Because that was really the, the thing was is we're going to get to Nemo and then we're going to figure out what we're going to do. Um, and when we got there, it's kind of a nice aid station because it's you kind of come off the ATV trail for just a little bit, and you're on like a little road for a little bit. Yeah, you're on this nice um, little
2: flat road. Yeah, it's a little
3: flat, and it was kind of nice. So we we kind of booked it, um, and we got to the aid station, and you know we did everything we needed to do there. And I, he he looked it up, and I think we needed to we needed you 21 minute miles to finish. That was somewhere
2: around 20. Minutes yeah,
3: that was that. the goal. So I think we were just like, well, we're gonna to try to go a little bit faster than that to give us a little bit of room, Christian. And yeah. we just. Kept going down the ATV trail, and I think we kept running a little bit—not a whole lot—but we kept doing a little bit of running until we got to the um to the was Dalton Lake the next one. Yeah. So Dalton Lake is the aid station that's at the 31 mile mark on the way out, and the 70, 78 or something like that on the way back. Um. So we we kept kind of running until we got there, and then I think when we got there, we realized. We needed to be doing, you know, 23 minute miles or 22 minute miles or something like that. So then after that, we were kind of like, well, I'm not feeling any better and we're not sure how far like this running thing is going to go. So we might as well just start hiking from here. So that last like 31 miles, we just hiked as fast as we could. Um, And we were just at that point, we were kind of chasing the cutoffs. And at that point, I think we had kind of realized this is possible Possible. before that i was just like i'm gonna do what i can while i can and we'll see where it gets us but then at that point it was kind of like this is what we have to do and it felt a little bit more reasonable so we just kept walking and we didn't stop at the aid stations and it was funny because on the way back a couple of the people that had been ahead of us that had hit the aid state had hit the turnaround at 15 hours instead of we hit it at a little over 16 i think yeah um, we had caught up with them at this point. Um, and what, we ended up kind of running with them for a little bit and some of them, we ended up passing by the end of it, but yeah. That right, was... And they were
2: nursing injuries. And, the, and one of the, yeah. like, it was a pair of guys from Minnesota and one guy dropped out, um, or was it Wisconsin,
3: Minnesota. Minnesota,
2: Right. And then, you know, they, they just had issues and they couldn't keep up their pace. And so again, you know, you never want to wish bad upon somebody, but it starts, it, it's a reminder of just how difficult this is. You
0: know, See, that, that, so that's such gonna... an interesting reframing to me. Um, and, and I think that it's, it's, it was probably critical that you reframed it that way, because to me, I feel like it would be perfectly logical for someone seeing all these other people, many of whom are more experienced than y'all dropping out to say, Oh, well, I, if they can't do it, I can't do it either. Do you know what I mean? Like, like that, that seems like that would be a perfectly logical conclusion for y'all to come to. And of course, that would begin this spiral of, of self-doubt that could potentially result in a DNF. But instead, the way that y'all were taking it, and I think this was critical, was, was wow, this really is hard. So we're not crazy to think that this is hard, because <laughs> clearly it is hard, um, because all these really experienced people are, 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 are dropping out. So, so yeah, I guess you know, we're, we're getting what we expected let's soldier on. Um, well, yeah.
3: And I think one of the really interesting things is when the people that we ended up finishing with um, two of the people that were closest to us, it was actually their first 100 miler as well. Um, the the guy from Wisconsin, whose friend had to drop out, we ended up doing the last 20 miles almost Right. kind of like just talking to him because we were really hurting and it helps to like kind of talk to people. Um, and then one of the other ladies we talked to, it was her first hundred miler too. And it was, I thought it was really interesting. And I don't know if it's maybe just the, the mentality of someone doing their first one, where it's, I'm going to finish. Whereas maybe some of the more experienced runners are getting a little more caught up in the times or in that sort of thing. Whereas we're just doing what we can when we can. And a lot of them maybe be going a little bit faster because they're like, oh, I should be able to do this or something like that. So I thought that was kind of interesting that um, some of the people we really expected to be able to finish didn't and then some of the people that maybe were less likely to be expected to finish did and the times weren't great i mean we all finished (laughs) at like 20 minutes to go but we finished which i thought was kind of cool
1: so we have cool for sure a message around 8 a.m that says you guys have 38 miles left and then we don't hear from eric for 11 hours and then we get a message that says seven miles to go and kind of everybody knows like if Eric's telling us there's seven miles to go, then your guys are for sure going to finish. So what did that feel like when you realized, like, Eric, do you remember sending that message seven miles to go?
2: I I remember, I remember thinking every time before I came into an aid station, I need to send an update to people.
1: Yes, you did. And you didn't, but we really appreciated this seven miles to go message.
2: And and I really appreciated the fact that George at one point, I think he told you to calm down because you were more worried about what was going on and you were having, you were actually acting like it was harder for you than it was for us. That was was an actual
0: phrase that she said.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, It's not not that
0: she was acting like it, it's that she literally said that.
1: Okay, so I'm just going to reframe this that maybe I cared a lot. Like I really wanted Grace to finish. So what did it feel like, like when you knew that you were going to finish like seven miles left, you know, she's going to do it. You're going to do it with her. Like, what does that end like?
2: It was phenomenal. And at this point we're, we're pretty much tracking along with the, the, the one guy that, you know, and it was funny because he was in front of us and I was telling grace, just keep up with him. He's going to finish in time, but he wasn't really doing the math. And he had a friend running with him that planned on running like five miles with him, but ended up running like one. a marathon. Yeah. And this guy had never done over a 10K. But that guy was basically looking over his shoulder and saying, I think the two of them have it figured out. So as long as we stay with them, we'll finish on time. And then that turned into, um, he got behind us and he just kind of followed us. And anytime we stopped, he would stop. And we're like, What's, what is the deal? And he's like, well, if I can't finish like, in a respectable time, I'm going to be the very last finisher under 34 <laughs> hours, which, which he was, <laughs> So, yeah. but it was, uh, so that's, but Michelle, at that point, you know, when, when I was counting it down, you know, 20 to go, uh, 17 and a half to go, uh, 11 to go, uh, seven miles. When you got that message, I think my brain had finally gotten to the point where I could yeah. voice that out. And like, we're, we're actually going to do this. And you felt the that's finish. like what
1: it felt like we were so excited
2: <laughs> yeah and it was for us too I was right? excited. <laughs> we started really seeing the finish line at that point what's funny is those last seven miles none of that looked familiar
3: <laughs> yeah it was crazy we um, felt
2: like we were off course we kept
3: thinking that we were almost done and then we weren't um we were like oh around this bend that is where the last little bit is, and it wasn't, and there was another bend and you just kind of keep going and keep going. I I mean, for me, that seven miles, I, it was kind of surreal at that point. I wasn't really thinking like, we're going to finish the race. I was just thinking, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. Like there were a couple mind <laughs> was completely blank. I was just moving. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think that the last mile was when I was like, yeah, we're going to finish. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think I told you guys, yeah. Well <laughs> she did you ran. see the
1: finish? Like, could you when you finally like did you have or it was just you turn a corner and you're finished? You yeah. can't
2: see the finish until you're about 120 yards from it. You know it's there, <laughs> you can't see it because there's, there's like a there's like a double 90 you gotta go through and then, then you can see it in front of you.
0: And uh, and did didn't Grace sprint to the finish? Isn't that yeah.
2: hear that?
3: last mile i don't know if it was a sprint um well it was a 10 minute mile but it was not a sprint and i he didn't believe me but what my plan was just to run to the finish and then i was just gonna wait for him so we could finish together but i don't <laughs> think he i didn't communicate that so he felt as though he needed to run after me and he was very unhappy about
2: that <laughs> she did it again i was i was fixing my shoes and no, you were
3: not fixing your yeah. shoes
2: yeah, i stopped to fix my shoes and she she that. started running and she what did she again. said to me Don't worry, I'll wait for you. I guess. Yeah. But she got about two hundred. She yells it as she's running away. No, I'll wait for (laughs) you. (laughs) So the guy that was tracking behind us is like, "What are you going to do now?" And I said, "Well, I guess I got to go after her." He said, "You better start soon." (laughs) (laughs) So, so I I ran after her, and you know, we—I told you guys about this. She passed, I think, two hundred milers going to the finish. Yeah, I passed
3: one of the ladies we had been running with a little bit earlier who had gotten ahead of us. Um, so I was the second to last female finisher not the last Um, and then I I passed this one guy and he was he was probably your age maybe and his daughter was like don't let that girl pass you and he he tried to speed up but that man was broken he he was barely walking there was there was
0: no denying grace at
2: that point there was no denying grace and I I think you know it, to know Grace's mentality. She was th- that little girl saying, "Don't let that girl beat you." Pretty much told Grace, "I'm
0: going to sprint past this guy. And there's no way he's going to catch me." <laughs> right on. Very cool. So, Very good. How did it feel to cross the finish line, Grace?
3: Um, I was I it, normally after races, like I think I I've been I think about it more, but I was just like, "Oh, I'm done." I I and it wasn't like it was just kind of like okay. I don't know. It was, the, it was kind of anticlimactic at that point. Cause I was just not, the thing I was most excited about was they had food. Um, I've never, they had like a couple crock pots full of stuff and they had white rice, which at that point sounded great to me because I had not been feeling so good. And I was like, white rice sounds pretty amazing. So I I got myself a bowl of white rice and I was so excited about that. I was probably more excited about that than finishing at that point, but then a little bit later I, I got a little more excited about
2: it. Yeah she she's experienced this twice now and not what she's talking about but we finished the race and she finished the race with me yeah she's la- We we finished the race and there's a lady standing there and she's giving out the belt buckles and the t-shirts and she turns around and she looks at me and she gives me a belt buckle and a t-shirt and then she smiles at grace <laughs> and i looked at her and i said i kind of like And I was like, ah, and she's like, oh, you ran too? Oh, no. (laughs) Give her a break. Oh, no. And this is the second time Grace has experienced this. And I was like, come on. And I think part of it, she's a bit of an anomaly still. Sure. The the closest person her age in this race was 24, I think. Maybe yeah. Yeah, something like 24, and she's still a bit of an anomaly. And, and the other race that had happened, the the youngest lady was 27. She was 30. She was 30. Yeah. Was 30 so, something. So, so you know, but but yeah, it was it was kind of a it was kind of funny. But yeah, Grace got her belt buckle. She got her t shirt. She deserved both of them.
3: Yeah, I was the I was kind of not super excited too because I don't know if he told you guys this, but. Um, we got a hotel room that was half a mile from the start of the race, and I, I've told everyone this, but he decided that a rental car was too expensive. Oh, and my God. They don't oh, have Uber. Right. So we walked with our stuff back uh-huh. from the race and we had those drop bags and those things are heavy and he decided he was going to go some power raid at the dakota mart so i was carrying two of those bags i probably looked insane because ever no one in the town knew that this race was happening like people kept asking us oh what brings you to Sturgis?" and we we're like oh we're running this race and they were like oh there's a race so <laughs> no one knew what had happened and i was just like covered in mud like limping with like these two neon colored bags that are like huge and I'm sure everyone thought I was crazy, but that was the the most interesting half mile walk of my life.
2: Um, you know, I did find two people that were willing to drive us back from the finish to the they hotel. They didn't finish though. Neither one of them finished.
3: It was really unfortunate. So yeah, we didn't have a ride anymore and we had to walk. And I was, I was kind of sad about that, but I was also at that point, again, I hadn't really registered that I'd run a hundred miles. I was still just like. hundred and five. 105 or whatever um I was still kind of just like oh I'm done <laughs> and then then after when we got back in the hotel I was like pretty excited about it yeah him, but...
2: yeah we were excited for about 45 minutes and then we fell asleep
3: yeah we were <laughs> not awake for very long I, I took right. a shower and then he started organizing I helped organize for a little bit and then he continued to organize and I laid down and like was like oh yeah I put that there and like kind of dictated a little bit and then I just it
0: yeah And am gonna bring there you go
3: that's
1: fair
0: so so i've just a couple more questions here um i want to know is there anything grace that you could say that you learned about your dad or anything eric that you could say you learned about grace during this very difficult experience not just training but actually executing the race itself about one another
3: i mean i think i definitely could not have done it without him um he, he helped me so much throughout the whole thing. And I think I was, I was really impressed with how patient he was with me. Like his patience was definitely tested. Um, and I, I really liked too how, um, I, I didn't really expect this. Like both of my parents were a little bit more hands-on. Um, and when, when I wasn't feeling good and I couldn't drink or I couldn't eat or anything like that, he didn't like pester me to like try to eat or try to drink. He was just kind of like, just do what you can when you can. And I, I think, I was, I think I was just so grateful for how well he supported me. And I think it was, it was quite the feat. Like I wasn't really expecting that. And I don't think anyone would expect anyone to be able to like, just do such a good job of supporting me. But I mean, obviously I, I should have known that he was going to do, do a great job. I just, I, yeah. I don't know that. I don't know if that was unexpected, but that was just like, that was kind of the thing I learned about him is he's just, like super super supportive I mean, he's really good at supporting someone he knows how to do it like some people try but they're just not they don't know how to do it well so yeah i think very good
2: eric thank you <laughs> um, i think the thing that i learned is and there's a certain type of mentality i think it takes to be a amateur ultra athlete and i think one of the biggest things about it is you're your sense of, you know, one, like pushing yourself through it, but also the ability to maintain a sense of humor in those really difficult spots. And there were some difficult spots and we had moments, you know, and we had to work through those, but I think from the planning stage all the way through the finish, Grace always kept her humor. And I I just, I want to read something that, she did, she did this the night before we left, she put the the drop bag notes. (laughs) Yeah, this is great. They they were great. And I I sent you guys a picture of one of them. It's my favorite one. And it's the one we had at the 52 and a half mile mark. And I'm just going to read this to you. And this, this epitomizes like her mentality that she really expressed during the whole race. It says, welcome to bag number three. Don't be an idiot. It says, are you cold? We have more clothes. Do you want to change your shoes? Get some food. Uh, what do you think you will eat? We have options. Refill your water, roll out, and apply Body Glide. Get new batteries. And then at the bottom, it says in all caps don't worry. The good news is that you are only halfway done. <laughs> there is more pain yet to come. And I pulled this out. That's, of the bag. That's dark grace. <laughs> <laughs> I pulled this out. I'm dumping, you know, grace. Uh, I, I dumped the bag out on the table there and this thing falls out and it falls on the floor and I pick it up and I just start kind of laughing. And this guy that had been running with us for a little while, I handed it to him and he couldn't really laugh at it.
3: Yeah.
2: And he didn't make it back to the finish. And, 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 but but that that mentality of even in these hard times, like keeping your humor, keeping the, the kind of positive energy. positive energy going, you know, understanding, all right, this this really sucks right now. But if I put one foot in front of the other and, you know, Grace also showed her her like uh, matching the goal to what's possible, maybe not what I really wanted to do, you know, that, that, you know having that graduated goal setting and and then just keep it on going, keep it on going. I mean, I, we didn't go for more than 10 or 15 minutes without cracking some joke or smiling about something or remembering something well, that was humorous or something like we
3: that. We also did have something fun that we forgot to mention. Um, I, I, <laughs> so i had i there's this running website that i read it's called like fellrnr.com and this is ultra runner and he kind of outlines everything you need to know about ultra running one of the things that he said is you're going to have hallucinations and we didn't really take that seriously we thought it was kind of funny and we were like oh yeah that's that's funny (laughs) um and then we realized like after 60 miles yeah you are going to have hallucinations at when we went into one of the towns at one of the aid stations He goes, and I had been thinking like, oh, it kind of looks like it's raining up there. I wonder if it's raining. And he goes, oh, is it raining up there? That's so odd. And we were like, oh, it must be raining. And then we run through it and it's not raining. No. And then later in the race, I'm like squatting down, like kind of stretching. And I'm like, my leg is moving. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's like stretching. And I was like, (laughs) no, no, my (laughs) leg is not moving.
2: (laughs) But these were, these weren't moments to be like afraid or yeah. anything. It was almost like we are both seeing these things yeah. together. And it was funny to us. And we're like, we're actually experiencing that now. Let's, let's go. Let's you know, we're, we're so Courtney tired. That we're Dewaltor, seeing things. Awesome. <laughs> yeah.
1: Courtney Dewalter. Who's, you know, probably by far and away, one of the best female ultra runners in the world right now is famous for her race day hallucinations. I mean, her, she has got some crazy stories of her hallucinations and yeah. runs Uri, right
0: Uri. through them. Um, Yuri Robic, to- who Yuri uh, who won Race Across America on the bike a few times, his crew used to lean into his hallucinations in order to inspire him. And so he would. <laughs> so he he was a member of of the military. And he would imagine that he was getting attacked by an opposing military and they'd be like, yeah, they're coming for you. you better go, man. <laughs> um, and that, that was how they would actually keep him going. Like at the 2000 mar- mile mark of, of, of race across America. Yeah. Yeah. Ultra, ultra runners are a different breed, Grace. So, so welcome to that club. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very good. All right, Grace, what's next?
3: Oh, um, well, we, we found another race that's, in december
2: no but, no no what's the big plan that's what he well, wants to know
3: <laughs> so eventually one of the, the if you races, don't want to say
2: it out loud on the podcast that you can hold you can hold that close
3: <laughs> i mean i'm fine with that i mean one of the things i've always wanted to do and i don't know exactly when or if i would ever be able to do it is um Badwater. it was the race that i actually read about um yeah, that wanted cool. that kind of inspired me to want to do ultra running after we had kind of talked about it um, I had looked it up and kind of looked at some races. So I've always kind of wanted to do that race. So eventually I'd like to do that race, but
0: did you, did you read running on empty Marshall Ulrich's book?
3: I didn't, he did. I, I just okay. did research like online cause I was just reading um, about like different races and kind of like mm-hmm. the people that do them and stuff. And, I was like, "Oh, there's this race," and he was like, "Oh, yeah, that's like a really big race that you know, like everybody <laughs> <Yeah>. knows
2: about." <laughs> Have you heard of this race called the Badwater? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh
0: yeah,
1: 135
0: miles through, uh, through, like through. That,
1: that's that's, Death Valley. that's I mean, amazing. Grace, I know, I know from what I understand, you're not big on social media, but if Sally McRae is preparing for Badwater right now, and she just did a three-week training stint out there, and yeah, she's got some great stuff on her experience there and getting ready to to race it again this year. So, cool. That's a Quite a challenge. <laughs> I mean, that that's in the long-term plan. It's an yeah. awesome plan. <laughs> I figure I got some
3: time.
0: You've got time. It's got a got worthy you. goal. Yeah, it's a worthy goal. Eric, what's next for you?
2: Well, so we're in our build-up to the Blue Ridge Relay. Uh, following the Blue Ridge Relay, uh, Grace, Melissa, and I will do the 12 hours at Doggettville again, mm-hmm. usually about a week after the Blue Ridge Relay, which is where it is this year again. Right. And then we'll see. We've... Grace mentioned, you know, December, um, what was the name of it's that? It's called
3: month? the Beast of the East. The Beast
2: of the East. It's, it's in North Carolina. hundred so. miler in North Carolina we're looking towards. So we've got a few things on the plate that we're looking at, you know, and then in March we'll roll around to Peyton's again. Yep. So that's, you know, that's it. We're, I, I'll be honest, you know, Grace is, I don't want, want to say she's fully recovered, but she's pretty darn close to fully recovered. Uh, I'm not. The old man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely not. So I'm still in, in recovery phase, but yeah, it's just, uh, I'll, I'll second what Grace said, you know, she said it was kind of a surreal experience when we finished and it was, (laughs) it's, it's still thinking back on it now. I mean, that was, you know, George, you made a comment today, which was really funny. I was, I just happened to look at Grace's Strava. And so I think she's done 926 miles this year. And I, I, I had to read it like three times and I, and then, of course, I Strava stocked you and George and, you know, the others. And I, I'm sorry, you and Brett and and Lee. And I think Brett's the only one that has more mileage. And of course we, we ride. So that's our excuse. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it kind of floored me. And George's comment was 11% of that was in one, one run. <laughs> sure. So, but um, I think that that shows you know that stick to itiveness, that building up, and all that. And we're just going to keep rolling with this and find new challenges. And my deal stands: if we do a new distance, if we do a new race, I'm going to run that one with her the first time, and then the next time she gets to run it on her own. Maybe like a 10k then.
1: Yeah. <laughs> God forbid.
0: <laughs> all right, y'all. Um, glad that that you completed it uh super congratulations and thanks for spending so much time with us tonight grace Telling us about your race we are um i don't know that that we can tell you how proud of you we are um because we are (laughs) um and so so but but we very much appreciate what it is you did and admire your tenacity so congratulations again
1: thank you it's awesome way to go
0: eric thanks for bringing your daughter on the podcast (laughs) anytime anytime Michelle, as always,
1: thanks for being here. Good
0: night, guys. Good night. All right, good night. Thanks again for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast, on Twitter at PleasantPodcast, or on Instagram, Most Pleasant Exhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcast, or Spotify, so share us with your friends. Don't forget that we're sponsored by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at ITLCoaching.com, on Twitter at ITL Coaching, on Facebook at Facebook.com/slash ITL Coaching Performance, and on Instagram ITL Coaching. We're also sponsored by Blue Pineapple Travel, BluePineappleTravel.com, Facebook.com/slash Blue Pineapple Travel, and on Instagram Blue Pineapple Travel. And finally, don't forget we're sponsored by SlayRX. That's SlayRX.com. Facebook.com slash Here4SlayRx, that's the number 4, SlayRx. Twitter, at OfficialSlayRx. And Instagram, Here4SlayRx, the number 4, SlayRx. Discount code, Pleasant21. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. See you next time.